Many feel that money is a touchy subject to speak about in church. And it is not without reason that they feel that way. I think there are two ways churches tend to go wrong when talking about money. One way to go wrong is to not talk about money at all. To not talk about giving at all. And to consider money as something that has nothing to do with faith. To kind of compartmentalize money, put that uh, as a box, put that in a box and just keep that completely apart uh, from our faith. That's obviously wrong. Because Jesus spoke about money more than anyone else in the Bible. Uh, he, he used so many parables. He spoke about money more than anyone else in the Bible. And the Apostle Paul, uh, in one letter to a church in the city of Corinth, he devoted two full chapters to discuss money and generosity. The second way we can go wrong about money is talking about money so much and talking about money in such a crass manner that you, you begin to wonder if, you're, if you've come to a church or you've come to a fake uh, Ponzi scheme. Invest X and you will get five times X. Uh, God will bless you. God will make you prosperous. Uh, if you're poor, uh, that means there's sin in your life. Jesus died to uh, make you rich. You know, give today and your problems will go away. Uh, today's, today's the day. Sow your seed today and, and, and you're going to be rich tomorrow. You know, uh, All that spiel uh, almost replaces Jesus with money. It makes it seem as if Jesus is just a way to get more money. And that too is obviously wrong. In New City, we try and our best to steer clear of, of both errors. If this is your very first time in New City, uh, please allow me to share a couple of quick thoughts before we dive into the sermon. If this is your first time in a church and you're not a Christian, you're someone who we would call an explorer, someone who's curious about Jesus, someone who's interested in Jesus, and if you're here because a friend invited you uh, or, or, or something like that, I think you're going to find this sermon helpful. You're going to find this sermon for, helpful for a couple of reasons. First, money is just a currency of our desires. Sometimes we see money as a proxy for our other desires. And, and I think uh, we need money, but in reality, we actually need something that we believe money can buy. And so I'm hoping this sermon will kind of clarify that. I'm hoping this sermon will help you disentangle money from the true and the deep desires of your heart. Um, I think that's how you'll find the sermon helpful. If you're a Christian, if you're, this is your first time in your city, how a church talks about money can help you decide whether this is a good church or not. It's, it's as simple as that. And so, so that's something you can take away uh, this morning. Whenever we think about money, a lot of us assume that the desire for money or the desire for more money, or the desire for more and more and more money is what drives our life. And that's true partially. But we may not also recognize that even our fears about money drive us as much as our desires about money. And so this morning I want to spend a fair time, fair bit of time talking about our fears of money. 
As I mentioned earlier, the Apostle Paul, he wrote two full chapters on the theme of money and generosity. And we're going to looking, be looking at a small passage uh, from those two chapters. And after reading that passage, we're going to zoom in on one specific verse. Allow me to read that passage. It's going to come for us on the screen. I'm reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 11. Uh, 2 Corinthians is a book in the Bible. It's uh, in the New Testament. And Paul wrote this letter to this church that met at a city called Corinth. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. So we urge Titus, just he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you. I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Verse 11, the last 11 verse we're going to read. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. Allow me to pray for us. Father, we come before you in worship. And uh, Lord, even as we speak about money, we pray in the name of Christ Jesus. Doorways of faith will open through the subject of money. I pray, Lord, in the name of Christ Jesus, that every one of us will, will, will kind of just be freed to worship Jesus, that we will be freed uh, from whatever fear we may have about money. And I pray, Lord, I pray that through the subject of money, we might be able to see Jesus and worship him with greater clarity and greater power in all his beauty and his splendor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'd like to draw just three things for us from this passage. First, I want to talk about the big gap. And second, we're going to talk about the power to bridge the gap. And third, we're going to spend some time talking about finding purpose in the practical. The big gap, the power to bridge the gap, and finding purpose in the practical. Allow me to start off with the first thing, the big gap. I'd really like to zoom in on one verse from this passage, and that is verse 11. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. This is a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. In this letter, Paul is urging the church to 
finish the work of giving. This is what he's urging the church. Match your eagerness, your eager willingness to give with actual giving. Paul is exhorting the church here. You expressed an eager desire to give financially. Paul is telling the church, come on now, give it. Come on now, follow through with the desire. Why would Paul say this? The answer is pretty, pretty obvious. The Corinthian church had expressed a great desire to give, but they had failed to give. Or at least they were kind of dilly-dallying. We all know it's not easy to part with our money, and that's what they were struggling with, perhaps. So Paul is exhorting them, and Paul is exhorting them and saying, come on now, you expressed a desire to, to give, complete it. Give what you desire to give. Give what you committed to give. And this is the big gap that I'm talking about here. The big gap between a desire to give financially and our actual giving. Most of us desire to give. We desire to give more. But isn't there a gap between our desire to give and our actual giving? There were a lot of different things going on in the church at Corinth, and I'm not going to get into any of that historical context today, but I'm going to dive right in into our context. Isn't there a gap between our desire to give and our actual giving? I think this is extremely true when it comes to the joyful biblical practice of tithing. A followers of Jesus joyfully set aside at least 10% of our monthly income to give it back to the church that we belong to as part of our worship of Jesus. And this is what tithing means. If I ask how many of us believe that tithing is a good, godly, biblical joy and discipline, most of us who are followers of Jesus, we would agree. Now, if I were to ask a second question, if I were to ask how many of us would like to tithe regularly, most of our hands would go up. We all desire to do that. We all want to do that. Uh, all our good intentions are to do that. But if I ask us how many of us actually tithe regularly, I think there will be a lot fewer hands. Some of us would like to tithe. We want to tithe. We believe in the goodness of tithing, but we don't actually tithe. And this is the big gap between our desire to give and our actual giving. Why is that? Why is there such a big gap between our desire to give and our actual giving? I want to talk about a couple of reasons for this. The first reason I want to talk about is fear. We are afraid to give and we are afraid that giving will make us poorer. We are afraid that if we give away 10%, our future security is going to be threatened. We are afraid that we, if we give away 10%, our present comfort will be lost. You know, some of the two kinds of people. Some of us are natural spenders and some of us are natural savers. And God has uh, you know, he, he has a sense of humor that when he brings two people, a man and a woman together, generally he brings a natural saver and a natural spender together. I mean, we've seen this play out in, in so many ma marriages. And, and neither is wrong. 
you know, some of us are just inclined to save. Some of us are spent. That doesn't mean they are kind of spending wastefully. Uh, but, but, you know, sometimes spending is wise. You, you plan well, you spend well. And uh, so it's not, one to put, it's not to put one above the other. Those of us who are natural spenders, we are likely to fear that tithing will rob us of our present comfort. It's a fear. Those of us who are natural savers, we are likely to be afraid that tithing will rob us of our future security. So we're afraid that tithing will either rob us of our present comfort or our future security. And that's why we don't tithe even though we might believe in the biblical basis of it and even though we might desire to tithe. This is the big gap of faith. Once when Jesus was walking on this earth, he he noticed something very interesting. Uh, Allow me to read that out for us. I'm reading uh, from an account of the life of Jesus in a book in the New Testament called Luke. Uh, I'm reading from Luke chapter 21, verses 1 to 4. It's going to come up uh, for us on the screen. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow who put in two very small copper coins. Truly I tell you, Jesus said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All the other people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. And Jesus is making a point here. Uh, But I wanted to help us see something, another aspect, which is quite interesting here. What's interesting here is that the poor are giving and the rich are also giving. What I'd like us to see in this passage is that the rich are putting their gifts into the treasury and the poor widow is also giving. So the rich are giving, the poor are giving, it is only the middle class which is not giving. That's interesting, isn't it? It is quite true even today. Even today the poor give. I mean, how many of us have seen a beggar on the street joyfully sharing his or her food with a stray dog? Haven't we all seen a slight like that? So the poor give. The rich also give. And we read about really rich people, the Yazim Prenjis, um, uh, you know, of the world who are giving away, these great philanthropists who are doing some wonderful work, giving away from their wealth. And it is only the middle class, people like us, that, that finds it hard to give. So when it comes to generosity, the poor literally have nothing to lose. And the rich obviously have a lot to give. It is the middle class that is stuck in the middle that experiences the greatest fears. That's true, isn't it? We have a lot going on in our lives. We have a lot of aspirations. We're not sure if you're going to be able to get to all of those aspirations. We desire a higher quality of life. We desire greater success and we are striving so hard to get there that to part with, it's not just money. Even giving away our time to serve others is such a challenge for the middle class. Most of us who believe in tithing, who believe in the goodness of tithing, but those of us who have not yet started tithing regularly, we are perhaps stuck in the middle class Mindset. We are afraid that we will lose our present comfort and our future security if we tithe. We are afraid to give. 
I'm going to try and take this one level deeper. If, you're, if you are one of those who has a desire to tithe, but you're not yet tithing because we're afraid of our future security, what is this telling us about our real faith about our future security? If you're having a desire to give, but we are not yet giving because of these fears, then the question we have to consider is who is the real God that we are trusting in for our future security? Are we trusting in, in Jesus or are we trusting in, in money? Think about this. This conversation we are having now, is this a conversation about money or is this a conversation about our faith in Jesus? And what I'm trying to do is help us see what our fears about money are telling us about our faith in Jesus. That, that's what I'm trying to do this morning. I'm trying to help us see what our fears about money and our career success, our future security, what those fears are telling us about our faith in Christ Jesus. So hear me out, please. If we are acknowledging that tithing is godly and biblical, if we are expressing a desire to tithe, but we are actually afraid to go ahead to follow through on that desire and tithe because of our fears about our future security, it only means that we are not trusting in Jesus for our future security. Our fears about money may actually be telling us that our faith in Jesus is weaker than what, he, what we think it is. I'm going to let you sweat on that a little bit. Our fear about money, our fears about money may actually be telling us that our faith in Jesus is weaker than what we think it is. Some of us, we, we've um, shoved the issue of tithing under the carpet. We, we don't want to think about it. You know, we might love New City and your life may have changed ever since you came, became a part of New City. You may have grown in so many areas of giving. You may have grown closer to Jesus through New City, uh, but we may not be tithing yet and because we've just shoved this decision under the carpet. We've shut our mind and we're not thinking about it. I wonder, I, I, I wonder if, if God is calling us to think about it. I wonder if God wants to engage with us about this. I wonder, as I've been saying, this is not about money. I wonder if God is calling us to grow in our faith through the window of money. And so here is the good news. And here's the joy and the hope that we all have in the gospel, no matter where we are on the money curve. Honestly acknowledging and dealing with our fears about money is also a wonderful opportunity to grow in our faith in Christ Jesus. And, and this is the one thing that all of us at New City, we keep majoring in. This is the one big idea. This is why we love Jesus. It's because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Right? So if you've never given a penny ever in your life, I don't want any of us to experience any sense of guilt. 
We don't believe in, in kind of scaring people to give. You know, there are many ways I could have taken the sermon. I mean, you know, you know I, I, I'll be honest, I was tempted to. Uh, I was tempted to, you know, I had to really struggle and restrain myself from walking that path, you know. I could say, well, if you're not giving, God's blessed you so much, you're not giving, what's God, what do you think God's going to do? I think it's working, right? So, I don't want to walk that path because that is not Jesus. That is dead, empty, lifeless religion. We are not here to follow a religion. We are here to receive the gift that Christ Jesus has given us. So we are not going to walk. So if you've never given a penny, and if you don't give a penny for the next five years, again, I want to say uh, with absolute doubt that God is still going to pursue us. God is never going to scare us into giving. God will only love us into giving. We're going to talk about that. How we can allow the grace and the beauty of Jesus. And when when we see him in his beauty, I mean, generosity just flows like rivers of living water from within us. We we don't have to strive. We don't have to scare anybody uh, at any point of time. But let me tell this. Today, if you decide to start tithing, you're not just giving away 10%. You're also overcoming your fears about money. You're also growing in your faith in Jesus. Let me tell you, this is, this is powerful. And I, I speak as a professional. I work, still continue to work in the corporate world with the economic times. And let me, let me say this. The things that hold us back are our fears. Whether it's money, whether it's career, whether it's relationship, the things that hold us back, the things that stop us from achieving our full potential in Jesus are our fears. We conquer our fears through faith in Christ Jesus. We will get to be who Christ Jesus has called us to be. And overcoming a fear about money. And, and I speak from personal experience. It was not easy. When I began tithing many, many years ago, it was not easy. You know, at that point in time, you know, I had the entire vocabulary of loans on me. I had a home loan, I had a personal loan, I had a, a loan on my credit card, I had outstandings on my credit card, and, and, and it was not easy. And slowly as I began to overcome those fears, it was not just about giving, I began to understand that as I overcome this fear, God was kind of freeing me from all the other fears of, of my life. One of the greatest fears God helped me overcome by giving is fears of job loss. For many years, that's the biggest fear I was struggling. What if I get laid off? What if I get fired? And we've all seen the economy go up and down. And in those moments, what helped me overcome those fears is the freedom I experienced when I overcame my fear of tithing. And I don't want to, I don't want to kind of pretend like some really cool pastor up here who's kind of figured it all in his life. No, I'm not. So, I cannot talk about this in the past tense. I have to talk about it in the present tense. You see, if I'm standing up here and exhorting you to give because of what Jesus did, I can't be happy that I'm giving 10% or whatever I may be giving a little more than 10%. You see, he demands that I give my all. And so you may be battling to tithe, but I have to acknowledge that I am on the same board as all of us. We are in this together because the challenge for me is my faith The faith that I proclaim so freely, so boldly before all of you, my faith in Jesus will not allow me to settle by just giving 10%. My faith is going to, is compelling me. 
It is, it is true. It is compelling me. I want to raise the bar. I want to stretch the envelope. I want to give more and more and more. You see, we're all in the same boat. So, so those of us who are tithing are not better than those of us who are not tithing because the least we can do, and even that is never enough, is to give our very selves back to Christ Jesus. I believe today God can give us that victory. Here's what this comes to. This is, this is the bottom line. I mean, this is what I think this, this sermon, this, this whole talk is hinged on. Can Jesus be trusted? Can you trust Jesus? Is he worthy of our trust? That's the core question we need to answer today as we decide whether or not we are going to tithe. Let me put it another way. Are you willing to trust Jesus with at least 10% of our salary? That's the question. This is not a conversation about money. This is a conversation about faith. Think about this. How do we think we, we earned the salary in the first place? How do we think we, we landed the sweet job that we have in the first place? Where, where did this job come from? Did we kind of earn it by ourselves with our education and, and all of that? How did we get this education? Who, who decided that we'll be you know, born in a family that can afford to send us to an English medium school? Who, 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 who decided? Did we, was that our effort? Did we kind of figure that out ourselves? No, it is the grace of God that we were born in the families. We got the education we did. And we have to see people around us who may not have got that. And God has blessed us so we can be his channel of blessing to others. So whatever we have, none of it is by ourselves. We forget that every breath that we take and every rupee that we earn is a gracious gift from God to us. And so if God is the one who gave us 100% of what we have, what's the big deal? What's so difficult about giving 10% back to him? So the question is, can we trust Jesus with 10% of what we earn? And so I'm going to beg you as your pastor. I'm going to exhort you. I'm going to plead with you. I'm going to encourage you. And I'm not going to scare you. <laughs> never. You're never going to hear that in your city. Because we believe in the goodness of Jesus. The gospel sets us free. We don't have to be under condemnation. We don't have to operate out of fear. So I'm going to beg you. I'm going to plead with you. I'm going to exhort you. Please do not postpone or avoid answering this question. It's an important question. Are you willing to trust Jesus with 10% of your salary? That brings us to the second thing I want to unpack for us from this passage. The power to bridge this gap. How do we bridge this gap between our desire to give and our actual giving? Now let me show you how Paul is helping the church at Corinth to bridge this gap between the desire to give and the actual giving. And again here, Paul is not treating this as a money issue. He is treating this as a faith in Jesus issue. Look at, look at verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty we might become rich. This is an incredible verse. Jesus was rich in 
everything. I mean, he is rich beyond your wildest imaginations. He is not just rich in financial monetary terms. He, he is rich because he owns the entire universe. I mean, scientists are still trying to figure out the galaxies and, and, and systems that exist in, out there in space. I mean, all of that belongs to him. He is that crazy rich. And he's not just rich in these matter. He was rich in love. The love that Jesus enjoyed with his father. The father, the son, and the Holy Spirit. The beautiful intimacy they enjoyed with one another. I mean, there are no ways the human mind can, can kind of comprehend that. I mean, if we were to experience even a tenth of that pleasure in our earthly bodies, we'll just explode with love. That, that's how beautiful, that's how immense the love is. Jesus was rich in all of these things. And yet, when he died on the cross, bearing the punishment for your sins and my sins, when he died on the cross, bearing the punishment for your lack of generosity and my lack of generosity, he lost it all. The Father took all of that away. The Father punished him, treating him as if he were us, sinners. And he gave us the blessings that Jesus deserved. He gave those freely to us. And Paul is inspiring the church at Corinth to give by reminding them about Jesus. This is beautiful. This is the power of the gospel. This is the call of the gospel. This is what faith in Jesus is all about. Look at what's happening here. Paul is not saying, don't be afraid to give. Jesus has got your back. That's not how Paul is taking the fear of giving from the church. He's not saying, give today, tomorrow Jesus has got your back. Paul is not saying, don't be afraid to give, Jesus will make you prosperous. That's not what, is saying, what, what Paul is saying. Paul is not saying, don't be afraid to give today, Jesus is going to bless you tomorrow. That's not what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, look at Jesus. Consider Jesus. Jesus was rich. And yet he became poor so that through his poverty you might become rich. And the question Paul is asking the Corinthian church and, and God is asking us is this. Having become rich through the poverty of Christ, aren't we inspired enough to give away at least 10% of our money so that somebody else can benefit at our expense? Having benefited by the, at the expense of Jesus dying on the cross for us, aren't we, aren't we inspired enough to give away 10% of our money? Jesus laid down his life for us. God laid down his life for us. Is that not inspiring enough for us to part with 10% of what we earn? So Paul is not merely taking away the fears of money. He's inspiring us to grow in our faith in Jesus. And ultimately, this conversation about tithing is not a conversation of money, of money. It is a conversation about our faith in Jesus. Faith in Jesus always inspires radical generosity. Faith in Jesus always inspires serving others at great expense to ourselves. We give because Jesus, who is God himself, gave his very life for us, dying on the cross, bearing the punishment for our sins. You know, there are about 
15 to 16 or so people in New City who've been tithing very generously. Some of us have been there from the very beginning. That's five years since we've been meeting in this hall. Some of us before that, seven years. About 15, 16 people who have conquered our fears. And every one of these people who've been giving away at least 10% uh, back to God are demonstrating the faith they have in Jesus. They are demonstrating they have the joy they have in Christ to give. So if you've been, if you're one of those 15, 16 who've been tithing regularly, I want to celebrate your faith. And I know some of us who've just started taking the step of faith and who've begun to start tithing. And I want to celebrate you too. You too have conquered this faith, conquered your fears with faith in Jesus. Think about this. Think about this. Some of us who are tithing, who've been tithing regularly over the years, you can live in a three-bedroom apartment instead of a two-bedroom apartment if you stop tithing. Or if you hadn't been tithing, you could have lived in the comfort of a three-bedroom apartment instead of a two-bedroom. Some of us who are tithing, you, can, you could be living in a two-bedroom apartment instead of living in a one-bedroom apartment if you hadn't been tithing. And you've been doing that at your expense. It's costing you to be a blessing to others. It's costing you. And you've joyfully borne the cost. That is the beauty of the gospel in display for not just the church, but the entire city to see. Some of you could be driving a bigger, better car if you hadn't been tithing. And some of you could have started and, and you know, you could have a neat little sum if you'd started a systematic investment plan on one of these mutual funds, tax-free returns, till the government lets it be like that. Yeah, you, you, could have, you, you could have a neat little problem. I mean, do, do, I mean I, I'm, I'm a financial journalist, right? So I know these numbers. I know, you know, investing 20000 a month over 20 years, the power of compounding. I know what that's going to look like. You have forsaken that future security. You have forsaken that neat little pot of money you could have at the end so that others can be blessed at your expense. I want to celebrate you, every one of you who've been tithing, because you are demonstrating Christ-likeness. You are demonstrating in your body, in your life, in your sacrifice, in your personal finances, the beauty and the power of Jesus. It is the life of disciples through the centuries which has drawn people to become followers of Jesus. And you are modeling that. I want to celebrate you. I want to applaud you, not just for your generosity, but I want to applaud you for your Christ-likeness. You know what? You will be rewarded. God is no man's debtor. I made it very clear, this is not a Ponzi scheme. I mean, I'm, never, I'm not going to tell you, just because you gave 1x, you're going to get 10x. I, you're never going to hear that from me. You're never going to hear that. But I, I do need to tell you that you're going to be blessed not just in this earth here and now, but you're going to be blessed for eternity to come. You have no idea. You cannot, our minds cannot comprehend the riches that God's going to bless us with. Not just financial, but beyond. Not just here on this earth, but beyond as well. And as a pastor, I want to applaud your faith. I want to celebrate your Christ-likeness. So that's the first reason we don't 
uh, tight even though we want to because we are afraid. There's also a second reason, and this is not fear. The second reason we don't tithe is not fear. The second reason we don't tithe is bad financial management. And I know I'm going to hit home with this. Some of our finances are just so messed up. It is just totally messed up because we have been unwise and irresponsible. We have been able to exercise absolutely no restraint at all. Because whatever we want now, we want now. We've not been able to hold uh, any of these desires back. And, and so if this is you, if I'm talking to you, and it's kind of hitting home, because if your personal finances is in a complete mess, let me encourage you with a couple of very simple and practical tips. Very simple tip. The moment you get your salary, tithe 10% and save 10%. Set up an uh, SIP or set up an RD or open a PPF or whatever, whatever you prefer. The moment you get your salary, the day you get your salary, before the sun goes down, write out two checks. It's important. Before the sun goes, that's not the 11th commandment. I'm making that up myself on the fly. It helps. It helps. Write out two checks. Right? 10% to give. The second check or 10% to, to save or, or set up two fund transfers. Set that up. You know, part of our faith in Jesus is joyful discipline. Joyful discipline. So here's a simple tip if your, if your finances are all messed up. Tithe at least 10%, save at least 10% and, and learn to live with whatever's left. God will give us the grace. And, and you do this and you, you'll, you'll see your flourishing which is more than just mere financial prosperity. That's a very simple guideline. It brings us to the last thing that I want to share and close today. And that's finding purpose in the practical. In this passage, Paul is pointing, Paul is not only pointing to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ to inspire the church in Corinth to generosity, Paul is also inviting the church to see the real need around them in calling them to give. So Paul is pointing them to two things. See Jesus. First, that's important. Second, see the need around you and, and give. This is important. For some of us, just the vision of seeing Christ Jesus hanging on the cross, that's enough to, to, to just inspire us to generosity. For others, this grace of giving is activated when we see Christ and we see a need around us. For some of us, and this is not wrong at all, don't hear me wrong, this is, this is very biblical, this is not wrong. This is how God activates His grace of giving, and maybe He's doing that today. For some of us, we need to see Christ and we need to see a need in which we can express this love of Christ by giving financially. Let me put it, in another way. There are two kinds of people. There are dreamers and there are doers. Dreamers find their generosity flow naturally to a vision. Doers find their generosity flow naturally to specific tasks. Dreamers and doers. So if I stand up here as I've been doing these past three years, and all this is fresh learning for me as well. I'm also learning as, as I speak to you. 
If I, be, if I stand here and speak about this grand vision that we have, Vision 2020, let's see God fill 20 downtown by 2020. Let's as a church go and influence the arts. Let's as a church go and influence the business profession. Let's business professions. Let's go and change the way business is done through, through entrepreneurs who follow Jesus. As I talk about these dreams and this vision of being an influence of the city, all the dreamers are going to say, I'm on this man. I've signed up. I'm going to tithe to give this vision and we're all going to be charged up i'm a dreamer and i'm sure there are dreamers here we're all going to be charged up but the doers are all going to say yawn yawn tell me something more it's not going to cut any eyes with us but you should do a specific pathways where where they're giving is going to make a difference then the grace of giving is going to be activated in their lives that's also inspired by Christ. That doesn't make them any lesser than the, than, than, than the dreamers. So I'm going to close with, I want to give the doers here, and I'm sure there are some doers, and, and I, I recognize and I, I confess as a pastor that I've not understood this, and I've not been speaking to doers enough, and I've only been speaking to dreamers, as my wife will tell you, I am a dreamer, uh, to, an, to a fault at, at, at times. So let me talk about some specifics, which will give you some visibility, some pathways through which you can help. You might be surprised when you hear this. It costs us about 16 lakh rupees every year just to pay the rent on this hall for our Sunday mornings. That's what it costs. It costs about 28,000 rupees every Sunday morning to worship here in this place. And we've been able to do that because we, when we met here, we were just 20 of us. We are now, as a church, we are about 100. Well, but the 20 of us were tithing. And because the 20 were giving, the remaining 80 were blessed. And so that's what it costs us 16 lakh just for this, for this hall. Uh, I'm sure all of you have, uh, have come to love and be blessed by Felix. You know, Felix is as smart as anyone, any of us. He is, if not better, and I like to think he's actually better, uh, he's, he's, he's as intelligent as any of us. He's as qualified as any of us. And a little over three years ago, he quit a very promising career in marketing because he felt God's call to come and work full-time in New City. And all of us, we have a biblical responsibility to make sure Felix is paid well for his labor. This is extremely biblical. Jesus said a, a, a worker deserves his wages. That's a real pathway, a real need that we all are commanded to give. Now, that's not generosity. Let me be clear. I, I don't want to confuse things here. There's a difference between generosity and responsibility. Honoring our pastors, honoring your pastors, is not generosity. It is responsibility. That's, that's, how, that's how Bible uh, uh, portrays it. You know? and, and I want to talk about myself as well, and I hope this doesn't come out wrong. You know? uh, as you know, I kind of work part-time uh, to support myself. I find other ways to support myself. I think, and I will be failing this church. I will be sinning against God if I don't teach you as a church that it's your responsibility to support me as a pastor. Now, that might take 20 years, that might take 15 years, it doesn't matter, but we have, you have that responsibility, right? Now, let me say this, I, I, I could a salary as I've been doing for the last five years, but that's not good for my soul, because if I continue like this for the next 15 years, I am going to develop a sense of entitlement, and I'm going to feel, who are these people to ask me? I'm not accountable to them. I'm going to feel above yourself. That's not healthy for my soul. That's not the biblical model of a pastor. We are co-laborers. 
So the church has a responsibility to give. Don't hear me wrong. Uh, this is not a fundraising spiel. Uh, right? I want to be clear. But as a pastor, I'm not going to shirk away from my responsibility to preach to the church that God's called me to lead about the biblical responsibility. We want to be balanced about money. We're not going to talk too much. We're not also not going to talk too less as well. So practical need. I think, based on New City's finances, I think it's going to be another five years at least before I can take a salary. And I'm fine with that. I'm all right with that. But I have to teach the church that this is godly responsibility to you. Third practical need. This year, and again you're going to be surprised, this year New City's overall expenses is going to be about 25 lakh rupees. That's what we are going to spend in financial year April 1st, 2020, April 1st, 2019 to March 31st, 2020, 25 lakhs. Our giving is running about 50,000 rupees short, and we need to make that up over, over the next month. That's a real need. We all, we need to grow. We need to invest in better equipment. The sound systems we have are about over five years old. At some point of time, we need to start thinking about a 24 by 7 facility. And I'm sure all of us, you would appreciate better coffee and tea rather than just tea, however good that may be, and a nice uh, cup of snacks on the, for the days we wake up late and come rushing uh, to worship. Right? All of that needs money. Did, did you know that the cup of tea costs 1.5 lakhs through the financial year? To, to, to th that's the kind of money it takes. Right? Those, those, uh, those are needs. Last year, we were able to give only 30,000 rupees to Savera, the organization we partner with, uh, which serves trafficked women. How I wish we could have given more. How I wish we could have taken uh, the full cost of supporting two women, uh, or three women, who were being freed from the financial trade. How, how I wish it cost about two lakh rupees to free one lady from the time she's in the brothel, to invite her to training, train her for a period of six months, bring her to the skills she has, place her in the production facility in the outskirts, help her find a home, help her get settled in, and build some security system, safety nets, so that she doesn't go back to the brothel. That takes two lakhs per person, per woman. How I wish. As a church, we could say, last year, we supported one woman. Those, those are real, real needs. Next year, because of various reasons and to do, due to various expenses, we are anticipating that we are going to need 5 lakh rupees more through the year. It, just to make our expenses and income match. Uh, and all of us have to give. That's God's call. That's how God builds his church. We're going to need 5 lakh rupees more. In, in, in the coming year. To those for the doers. Now, now the dreamers are now going yawn, yawn, tell me something else. But I've talked enough for the, to the dreamers over a, over a period of time. So I'm talking to doers today. Those are some specific needs which you can give towards. I want to close with two things. Right? Again, I'm, I'm very clear. This is not a guilt trip. I'm not going to scare someone. I'm not going to emotionally blackmail people to give. No. And the two things that, that, that I'm going to close with are going to settle that. I'm going to be loud and clear. Let me tell you something amazing. This is the most incredible thing. And I, I never cease to marvel at this. Think about all the churches in the world. Every church in every continent in every country across 2,000 years, over 2,000 years. Think about all the churches in the world. For over 2,000 years, all the churches in the world have survived and grown through the tithing of believers. 
every single church and every single culture in every single point of time, postmodern, medieval, ancient, doesn't matter. Time comes, time comes and goes, time flows by, but God's word endures forever. Every church has survived and flourished because of the tithing of believers. As far as I know, God has never done a wire transfer from heaven to the bank account of any of these churches. Not, not one, not one. Every church has grown by the giving of people like you and me. God has put it in the hearts of his believers, the grace and the faith and the generosity to give to the local church they belong to. So God will build new city through all of our giving. He is not going to abandon us. He is not going to let us down. He will build new city. Second, I'll close with this. I've helped you see the grace and the generosity of Jesus. I've also helped you see the practical needs. If you have a desire to tithe, and if you've been over the last year or so acknowledging that tithing is good, it's godly, it's a joy, it's a blessing, it's a grace, if you believe that, would you start tithing regularly from this month? If you have been tithing regularly, as much as I celebrate you, it's also my duty as a pastor to, to call you to greater generosity as I am calling myself to greater generosity. If you've been tithing regularly, would you consider giving more? That's to our joy and blessing. It is to our eternal blessing. We need to see our giving grow by about forty to 50,000 rupees every month in this new financially. And the bottom line is God has always provided to every church in history and he's going to provide to us not just for us to flourish as a church but God I believe in his time is going to provide for us so that we can go plant other churches in other neighborhoods in Mumbai. And one of the things that God I believe is going to do help us do in, our, in his time is also help us plant a church in the red light district among the workers, among the sex workers there. Plant churches, spread the good news of Christ Jesus there. He's going to do it and he's going to provide for us and he's going to provide for that through you and through I. If you have any questions about the biblical idea of tithing, feel free to reach out to me. I'll be very happy to answer your questions and have that discussion with you. Allow me to pray. Father, we thank you for the joy and the liberty of the gospel. We thank you for the freedom of the gospel. Lord, Jesus, we worship you this morning. We worship you. We cry out to you. We ask you, Lord, in the name of Christ Jesus, help us grow in our faith in Jesus through the doorway of money. This is, conversation is not about money. We're way clear about that, Lord. We pray, help us grow in our faith in Jesus through the doorway of money. We worship you. We give you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.